Welcome to the season finale of the Game Preview Podcast. It only took 18 weeks to get a new guest on the pod. New year, new guest. Cynthia's pup, Gordy, in the flesh. If you're just listening to this, I feel really bad for you because Gordy is very cute. He's very fluffy, and he looks very snuggly right now. Just looks like he needs a nap or something. He's definitely he's he's either gonna like jump up and leave me like usual, or he's gonna fall asleep. So, I mean, we went for a really long walk this morning. It's pouring rain in Los Angeles, so my fluffy yeah he he's he's okay. tuckered up. Look, we are not betting people. We've we've said this many times, but the the over under thing. If you were to set it for how many minutes he will stay, five, five. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sick cough. Start the timer right now. And then it is 12.45 on the East Coast. So if he's there by 12.50 he's or 12.51, he's done a good job. If, if he's you have not, a dog, by the way, this Jets pillow, your dog, it's he's like obsessed with it. Like he, okay. he loves it. He loves it. So if you have so a dog. So everybody needs a Jets pillow. That's what you're saying. Yep, I do. I am. Mm-hmm. All right. Season finale, week 18, Jets at Miami. We're going to get into everything in depth as much as we can. But first, it feels like we should talk about a non-Jets-related topic, and obviously that is the health of Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. If you did not watch the game or you have not heard about it, I feel like at this point mostly everybody has, but if you have not, Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, was making a tackle on Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins. He stands up after the play, and then he just immediately collapses, goes into cardiac arrest, gets transported, to a tra- a level one trauma center ne- near the stadium after the medical staff had administered CPR on the field. The game canceled, or it was temporarily suspended and then canceled. Since DeMar Hamlin, no real update other than from close friends and family just saying that it seems like everything is as much as it can be positive. I mean, there's no real, like, update other than that that whatever vital signs that the doctors wanted to see overnight from last night to this morning had taken place in a progressive manner meaning in like in a good way that's really the only update but where were you when you were watching the game like were you watching it did somebody tell you about the game to turn it on like how how did you take in the information and for someone who's been covering the NFL for so long like what was going through your mind in the immediate you know aftermath of what happened so I was watching. Obviously, this was a highly anticipated Monday night game. Mm-hmm. To I mean, the, there's so much on the line. Seeding, you know, the AFC, like one, two, three between them and the Chiefs. It's going to be really. It, these are like the three best teams in the AFC, right? And maybe even three best teams in all of football. Um, so I was watching, and I also spent the preseason with the Bills a couple of for a couple of years, and I have a chance to know, got a chance to know Demar Hamlin myself, a six round pick out of Pitt, a kid who, you know, he used to he. he Anytime you'd ask him to do any interview, any, anything, any, like just the answer was yes. And he just wants to play football. Like this is the type of person who you want on your team. This is a type of person who, you know, in preseason, you know, remember ahead of the season with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, all healthy. This is a hard secondary to make. This was a very difficult team to make just period full stop. And, you know, he's sitting there being serious and trying to call me ma'am. And I'm telling him that he better call me miss because, you know, he didn't want to call anyone ma'am. Just always go with miss. So, you know, these are the types of, he just a really <clears throat> gregarious, like just a great kid. And it's really sad to hear. Although I will say there are some silver linings here. Number one, 
you know, first and foremost, that he's at a really great hospital, the University of Cincinnati mm -hmm. Hospital. You said it, it's a level one trauma center, but also like a like world renowned situation. So if you're going to go to a trauma center, that is one that you would want to have to go to if you were unfortunately in this situation. But, you know, beyond that, like, you know, you saw the entire NFL community come together. You weren't a fan of the Bills or the Dolphins or the Bengals or the Jets or anyone else at that point, you were just a football fan. And nobody, you know, like I said, if there's any silver lining, it's the outpouring of, you know, his charity. He he had been interested in helping kids get toys. He'd started doing it in Pittsburgh. And overnight, the charity went from like maybe 10,000 people donating to over like, like several million. So you did yeah. get to see some great humanity from all of us. And, you know, I, I have texted and talked to some of my, you know, my Bills team staff members that, you know, and they were saying that the Bengals fans couldn't have been more kind and like nice and loving. And, you know, I, I, I'm at liberty to share that, you know, when we didn't know what was going on, um, you know, no, by the way, we still don't really know what's going on. You know, we yeah. don't know how it's going to end, but you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, hopefully it ends in, you know, he's on the field and we, we can say, you know, get better. He, he has a great, awesome life, but you know, we don't know right now we're really in it. We're really, we don't know what to expect. So, um, you know, Joe Burrow did a really nice job of saying, I'm, you know, he, he followed all the protocols and rules and said, I want to go down to the bills locker room, um, figure out a way. And he rallied his captains and brought them down to the bills to offer any support. And obviously you saw in the field, all of the levels of support that the entire Bengals, you know, organization gave to the bills. But at the same time, it's like, it's nice to hear that behind closed doors when the cameras weren't watching and et cetera, like these people are who we hope they are. So Joe Burrow, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's nice to see and nice to hear those things where he, he had, he had no, there was no, there was nothing in it for him other than just to be a good person. So, you know, it's nice to at least see like the positive, like, you know, people on TV praying with each other. And, you know, I was watching Ryan Clark and he absolutely crushed it just being like so vulnerable and compassionate. So you are seeing a lot of at least positive things in response to a horrible thing, but I hope we never have to see anything like this again. And I hope that he's obviously okay and able to be, you know, just normal like it goes you know things go back to normal just a fluke incident but you know it's it's scary it's very scary and it reminds you that there are a lot of things that matter way more than you know than than a game yeah i think that's all extremely well said and there's really no precedent at least in modern times from like just as a fan watching the game from the moment that demar hamlin went down like yes there are medical procedures there was an article written about it about the nfl emergency procedures very interesting article just like a peek behind the curtain but there's really no precedent from the second he went down to where we are now you know whether that's the way the broadcast team handled everything the way the players and coaches on the sidelines handled everything the way that the all 30 other nfl teams and coaching staffs and ownership have handled everything like i think it's really brought the sense of family in football and I think a lot of people say that like faith football family and uh, you ob you obviously after most games see players from both teams praying at midfield together and that you know people always say football is family but I think we really got to see that on Monday and throughout the days afterwards and it's just really cool to see and obviously everyone is praying and hoping the best for DeMar Hamlin and it's just like a really humanizing situation because you know for people's even like you Cynthia like for people whose job it is to talk about fantasy football 
Like we haven't, we haven't had, and we, we NFL Network has so far two days this week canceled Fantasy Live because it just doesn't seem like exactly. It just doesn't seem you know we have two hours of total access instead so that we can have more the conversations that need to be had right now. Eventually, we'll be able to go back to having some fun, but it you know right now it's not it's not the moment for that. Exactly, and I think Ryan Clark said it best. Like next time you're in your fantasy football championship and you're upset that. You know, this player didn't perform at the level that you wanted him to, to to win you probably some money in that case or just some street credibility amongst your friends for winning the championship. Like, this puts things into a different perspective. And it really hit me when Ryan Clark said, like, all his life, meaning DeMar Hamlin's life, he had worked for the opportunity to, one, play in the NFL, then to play for any team, then to play in what would have been the biggest game of this season, probably of his career, mm-hmm. then to have something like that happen and really like shake everybody at their core. I mean, the Bills and Bengals faces say it all, but I think it's also one of those things where if you're a fan of football, probably shakes you up a little bit as well. It shook me up like you're watching this. And obviously the older you get, I think the more you understand the value and the fragility of life as a whole. But to to have it, to have the way everything happened just really puts things into a different perspective. And right now, in terms of looking ahead, that game doesn't have a set date for obvious reasons. And the NFL said that there are no scheduling changes to Week 18. But to me, like, that doesn't necessarily shut the door. You know, like this leaves the door kind of open the way that it was worded. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. But obviously, everybody is thinking about DeMar, Hamlin, his friends, and his family. Yeah, I mean, it also reminds you that, like, we get to play football. We get to watch football. We get to enjoy football. We, you know, like, I'm glad we didn't have any precedent of how to handle this from a, you know, league to broadcast to anything standards because, thank God, we like, that doesn't happen, right? First, it looks very reminiscent of what we saw from Tua. So you... You did not, you thought maybe concussion. You did, I, I certainly didn't at first. My gut instinct wasn't that, you know, cardiac arrest was even possible. So at the end of the day, like we were, were reminded that like we get to experience this all together. We get to be Jets fans. We get to be Bills fans. Like we get to be at a game where these people are doing, like it's such a, like a, we're, we're so privileged and we're so lucky to be able to have that. So, you know, it's, it's just a reminder that's like sometimes like, sure, like, you know, it feels really important and I'm glad it feels important that, you know, whatever happens in the outcomes of, of any game. Right. But at the end of the day, like you still get to go home and hug your dog. Right. And, and talk to your friend on a podcast. So that's the, that's the kind of thing that we like the good takeaway, like really like be a little like more present in your life. <laughs> yeah. And I think that the whole approach of you get to do this, I think that obviously in our football world, that's the scope at which we're talking about it. But I think that kind of scope could be applied to just life in general. Like yep. you get to go on a walk with your dog, who, by the way, has officially hit the over. It is now 1255. Let's be clear. He must be very a very sleepy boy right I now. I think I just worked him out too hard this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he seems like a big Orange Theory guy. Uh, anyway, so I, I just think that general scope of, of the, your approach on life is probably – one that people take for granted and until something devastating happens. And in the football world, this was that devastating thing. And in the history of the NFL, like I, I think when you think about all the different events, like 
the the one that I know of, I wasn't even alive for it. It happened in 1971. The Detroit Lions wide receiver Chuck Hughes like died on the field because of a blood clot, and that's probably the most traumatizing or devastating scenario the NFL has had to deal with. And I think Lisa Salter said it. It's like everyone takes for granted that when people get stretchered off on the field in modern football, everyone mostly gives the thumbs up as they're leaving, right? Yep. Like shows like like I'm conscious, I'm okay, like. That simple thumbs up didn't happen Monday night, and that is where we stand it. now. We, we yeah, don't even exactly. have it now. So, yeah, no, look, I mean, Ryan Shazier, we have some examples of some pretty devastating things happening. But at the, but at the end of the day, we're like, this is a brutal sport, and, you know, we'll, we'll move on, and we'll figure it out, and we'll honor him, and, like, we'll find the right ways to honor DeMar Hamlin. So we'll, we'll all figure it out and be better because of it. It just it's, – it's really scary, and – it's it, it, it. We get a chance now to be better. We all get a chance. You get a chance now to like snap some priorities in place and be better. Yeah, I think that is the perfect way to put a bow on that conversation. And it's not. There's no easy way to go from such a serious topic nope. into Jets Dolphins. But, but with that yep. being said, we'll 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 give it a shot. Yep. And I think that I think that we should start with a kind of a general mm-hmm. theme for the first quarter. Is just that. The Jets officially eliminated from playoff contention. The Miami Dolphins do have a chance to make the playoffs, but the Jets also have a chance to squash those dreams by beating the Dolphins in South Florida on Sunday. Just what are your overall takes about this matchup before we get into some specific players? Yeah, so it's interesting because I'm looking at this matchup. Look, look there's a lot of injuries. The, the Dolphins had significant injuries that – I don't know if they were like fully, they felt very questionable till late and then they were scratches. Usually I feel like it's like those it questionable, doubtful out, right? It was like questionable out, right? So you had no Bradley Chubb, mm. you had no Xavier Howard, you had no, like you were missing all of these pieces, Toronto Armstead. So these, this is an opportunity where the Jets could really, especially with their strength, which is the defense, they could really play spoiler quite easily to the Dolphins, especially if you're looking at things like pressure and, I mean, we saw last week, by the way, Carl Lawson ranks 15th in edge pressure in, amongst edge rushers and pressures this season with 47. Quinnen Williams also has 47. He ranks third among interior defenders. So pressure from all areas of this defensive front are a really big strength of the team. And also with questions of quarterback and, I mean, is Teddy Bridgewater even going to be able to go? Like, that could be a really big a, a big problem for, for the Dolphins. Yeah, and Teddy Bridgewater dealing with a dislocated pinky. So this would be, regardless of who starts for the Dolphins on Sunday, the one certain is that the Jets will not have seen Tua Tungavailoa in either game that they played the Dolphins this season. In Week 5, he was in concussion protocol. Teddy Bridgewater got the start. Then Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. Elbow injury, first play of the game. Sauce Gardner blitzes. Teddy called for intentional grounding, gets hurt on the play. Skylar Thompson, the seventh-round pick out of Kansas State, comes in. The Jets win that game 40-17. to This Sunday... You're either looking at Teddy Bridgewater with the dislocated pinky. It'll depend on his grip strength and the swelling around his pinky, according to Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Dolphins. Skylar Thompson again. Or Mike Lennon, because Mike Lennon just got signed to the Dolphins practice squad. And so there's a chance that he could be elevated. I mean, that probably sounds like an outside chance. If you're reading the tea leaves of what's happening here, it seems to me, Cynthia, although there's no official word, that – Teddy Bridgewater would be trending down with the idea that Thompson would be the starter and Mike Lennon elevated to the backup. 
okay, here we go. You know, like, <laughs> like maybe on some level, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, um, wishing for anything, but I, maybe it's okay if the dolphins don't make it. I think two needs a little bit more time to figure this out anyways. And without quarterback, it can be tricky for, for, for anyone. So, you know, maybe that, maybe we don't call it that the jets play spoiler. Maybe we call it that the jets like do the dolphins a favor and make them not make it to the postseason. Um, the quarterback position is it's, it's dicey. I mean, obviously the strength of this team are to me, like we would imagine we'd see better running, but we had, we didn't see the type of rushing that we were, we had been expecting from the dolphins since like the chargers game in their skid. They haven't been running the football. Okay. Well, you've got Tyree Hill, You've got Jalen Waddle. If you can shut them down, then you shut down that entire team. Or even if you can, I mean, you're going to shut them down, limit them. Yeah. Then you, you don't really have a lot like Mike Kosicki. Okay, sure. But that's still not a that's not enough to to overcome. I, I don't think this one falls in favor of the Dolphins for many reasons. Even if it was full strength when it when it came to who's at least who we we see is available now. Right. I think that that's a great segue into the second quarter, which is Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed Part Two, because mm-hmm. in Week Five with Skylar Thompson at quarterback for essentially the entire game, minus one play that Teddy Bridgewater was in. Waddle and Hill were combined to a season-low 70 yards receiving. Mm -hmm. And the Jets coming off of a game where Gardner, DJ Reed, and the rest of the secondary held DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to a total of 18 yards, 15 of which came from Tyler Lockett, which means DK Metcalf, who's 6'4", 6'5", 235 pounds, was held to three yards receiving. So the Jets secondary is playing lights out, but don't you think that the Dolphins receiving core with Hill and Waddle are just so different than anybody else they've seen just because of the speed element. I mean, yeah. And also if you go back two games ago, you saw something that I, that I hadn't seen from Tyreek Hill when he was a chief. And that was, he's a great blocker, right? Like mm-hmm. he didn't really have to block for Travis Kelsey that much. Cause like Travis Kelsey weighs like 600 pounds and he's like maybe eight feet tall. <laughs> so like, it wasn't the same thing, but Jalen Waddle, you see him block for Waddle like a lot, right? You see Waddle block for him. You've seen that before from Waddle, but like now I'm talking like you are watching little Tyree kill it, uh, muscling some people, which is is an interesting like that's an interesting strategy. It's an in- interesting wrinkle because you know look like you there are only two corners if if you if you figure out how to exploit some mismatches anywhere you know you could get a safety or out of position or you can get a nickel corner on on in a in a in a different situation and that isn't quite ready for the type of speed that they're bringing. And if now you have Tyreek Hill blocking for Jalen Waddle too, like that could be difficult. But the only problem is one, the, the person throwing them the ball, it, you need to have some consistency there. That really helps. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot they can do after the catch. Absolutely. But you still got to make the catch in order to have the after the catch thing happen. So that's where Def- I get a definitely. little confused, right? Like on how this is going to play out. Skylar Thompson against the Jets in week five, was 19 for 33. That's completing 57.6% of his passes in that game. 166 yards, no touchdowns, an interception for a 58.4 rating. Not great, but also he was thrust into that position early in the game. Like, Skylar Thompson this week, you would imagine, with Teddy having a dislocated pinky, will have the week to prepare for the Jets. Now, granted, Think what you may of Skylar Thompson and his abilities, but at least he has a full week to prepare for the Jets' defense. Sure. That, by the way, is playing at a very high level 
especially as of late or before the Seahawks game. Like the Seahawks game, Cynthia, let's just talk about this for a minute. Yep. Like I know that the that the secondary played real well, but it felt like the Jets' defense just got out to a slow start and wasn't able to recover, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, look – you know, complimentary aspect of football is always super important, right? Like if your offense gives you some turnovers, then your defense, it magnifies what your defense is doing. If you're, And if your defense is slow, it magnifies what your offense is doing. So it just was both things magnified in the wrong direction and they couldn't right the ship in time. Like that's kind of yeah. how it, it works. Because I saw some good moments, but I it, was, it, it wasn't as consistent as we've seen. And the defense, it feels more surprising when that happens. But you have to remember like, Geno Smith had been leading the league in downfield passes this season. It's not like you're and, – and Ken Walker has been kind of come out of, you know, uh, out of Michigan State with, like, you know, a full head of steam. So it's not like – and, by the way, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are both very, very good. Tyler Lockett might be one of the more underrated receivers in the entire league. So, you know, it's not like you're sitting here facing a bunch of scrubs, right? Like, it's not like a situation where you're facing an unknown, an unknown, you know, wide receiver from wherever or even, like, you know, some guy sitting and whatever. It's not like that. Like that, they're still a good, they're still a strong team. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't take much away from the defense on that. This is still, I mean, it's a top three defense in the league for a reason. And I think that the Jets remain a top three defense. If not, they could even be stronger. I think that if I look at that Patriots game, I think they pressured the Dolphins six, it's either, yeah, 16 times, 16 pressures last game. That, yeah, and, and Teron Armstead did not play in that game. We'll see what the status is right. of Teron Armstead, who started against the Jets and then came out in that game because I of don't a toe think injury. he's right. Even if he plays, yeah. like we're not getting, you're not getting a hundred percent Teron Armstead. Even if totally he's in. agree, he's he's not like look this time of the year. That's what happens. These are the types of things that that go on. We all know injuries are real, and you know you could be playing, but sixty percent will get you in the game. It doesn't necessarily yep. mean. You're you're 100% Teron Armstead, though. Totally. And for the Jets, all eyes probably going to be on Hill, Waddle, Gardner, Reed. Yep. But the Jets have to stop the run, and we're going to talk about that in the third quarter. But that brings us to halftime of the final episode, which leads me to a layup of a question. What's been your favorite play or your favorite moment of the season? Ooh. I don't know. Like I very much every week look forward to your cooking. So that is always <laughs> like a, a great moment for me week over week. Um, Thank I you. think like, Thank you. I really think like maybe like some of the first Mike white games were just a lot of fun because yeah. who didn't like seeing him come in and just like slang it and have a, a ton of fun doing it. Like football should be fun. Remember like whatever. And also like, I don't know. I've really enjoyed the emergence of these rookies. Like this has been a really epic draft class and it's been really fun watching them grow. Like, Eating sauce was fun at the beginning of the season, like eating our sauce. Yeah, that was that was really fun. Really fun. So I feel like there's just been there's like this has been a really good a really great season. Lots to lots to build on going forward. And I'm I'm excited to see this what happens in this year's draft class. It's gonna be great. I know. I know. it feels like like it's an unfortunate thing to say that the off season's like kind of here already for the Jets because postseason is not on the cards or is not in the cards for the New York Jets again, which is the reality of the situation, but also in that same breath, the reality of the situation, which we'll talk about to wrap up the fourth quarter of the final episode of the Game Preview Podcast of the 2022 season, is just the future of the Jets is very bright. 
with that being said, we do have a chime in here from producer Matt Sickoff. He says his favorite play of the season was Joe Flacco hitting Garrett Wilson to win the Browns game in week two. The improbable that. victory. That was a fantastic moment. Love it. Obviously off the off the foot of Braden Mann after the onside kick. Just successfully recover. It was it was definitely like there's some cool moments. If we're bringing this that full circle wild. to this week's matchup, yeah. Quinn and Williams stiff arming Tyreek, winning the Angry Runs Award on Good Morning Football. That was fun. Love like there's a lot of fun moments, but the trying the sauce early in the year was definitely up there. Yeah, I mean it had to be. I mean, I still yeah, have we, it. we I set the tone. We set the tone. We set it strong. We knew we were like so early on the sauce sauce. It was I'm sure it's now like a bestseller for B dubs. Like I haven't looked into it, but I'm sure. I'm sure it has to be as well, especially given the success that Sauce Garner has I, had. Here's my question. Since for you. since am I gonna, we tried am I gonna it, be by able the way. to uh am I gonna be able to like high five him on like a Thursday night in Arizona? I think so. I I think so. I'm gonna get a I, high I think five. So. Tell him, tell yeah. him to look out for my high five. Be like, I tried your sauce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think if you're if you're not picking up the tea leaves, the Arizona <laughs> reference is not about the Super Bowl, at, at the game. It's more about a certain award that is handed out. There's just this thing. It's called NFL Honors. I don't know what happens there. We're not going to talk yep. about it too loud. But you know, couple awards. This thing happens, and you know, some some. And stuff there's happens. a chance. I don't know what the percentage chance is, but there's a chance that the Jets could sweep the awards, don't you think, in terms of the two that we're talking about? It's definitely my my best. I would say the defender has the best chance, though. Yes. The defender, as in Sauce Garner, the fourth (laughs) overall pick out of Cincinnati, has the best chance to win a certain award given to rookies on a certain side of the ball. Yep. We're not jinxing it, so I'm not going to say it. I don't know what But on the other side... But on the other side, for the Jets, Garrett Wilson could also win another side of the ball rookie thing, which leads us to the third quarter because he will be competing with someone that the Jets just played. That's Kenneth Walker, the Seahawks running back, who had a very successful day on the ground. He started things off with a 60-yard run. That kind of set the tone of the game for the Seahawks and also kind of for the Jets' defense. Wasn't really able to recover from that. He finished with 23 rushes. 133 yards for an average of 5.8 yards per carry. Knowing this weekend, Cynthia, against the Dolphins, that the Jets will either see Teddy Bridgewater, Skylar Thompson, or Mike Lennon, and given that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are who they are, both very talented, how imperative is it that the Jets cannot let the Dolphins run the ball? I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of man. So, meaning you're not going to see a lot of, like, the, the the zone, which typically is means run, you're going you're gonna to see hybrid is what I'm guessing. You're going to see kind of Tyreek and Jalen, they'll get manned up, and then you'll get a little bit more zone. They're going to stop. They're going to probably sell out to stop the run. I would imagine yeah. that there's there's not a lot of – these guys are very familiar with each other's concepts in terms of, hey, this is what they're going to try to do to run the football, et cetera, et cetera. We haven't seen the Dolphins run a ton, which – I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not in their locker room. I don't know what's going on. But, you know, I, I, I will say, I think, like, some people don't give Quinn and Williams enough credit for his ability to stop the run. There's a lot of good run stoppers on this team. But, you know, I, I think if they try to run anywhere near him, like, not going to happen. So I, I would imagine part of the reason why we don't see as many of the run concepts is that 
they're either their O-line isn't doing the shifts that they like, et cetera, or they're just like really relying on yards after the catch, which is something, a concept that we did see from San Francisco as well. And we still see it, but I, I would imagine you're going to see a hybrid and you're going to sell out to stop the run up front, but man up those guys in the back. You know, it's, it's funny that you said, or it's ironic that you said the dolphins don't run the ball a lot because they don't, they have the 26th rushing offense in the league. They averaged 95.3 yards per game. But in week five, the Jets got out to a slow start, stopping Raheem Mostert. He had 113 yards in that game and a touchdown. And in the first half, he had 77 of them. So most of the damage was done in the first half for Raheem Mostert. Obviously, the discrepancy in the score started to go up a little bit in the second half as the Jets climbed out to a 40-17 to victory. Dolphins had to basically wane off of the run, but also at that point in time, just putting this out there, the Dolphins were relying on Raheem Mostert. Recently, it's been Mostert and Jeff Wilson who they acquired from the San Francisco 49ers midseason. So that's just something to keep in mind as the Jets play the Dolphins. And you would imagine that maybe with Skylar Thompson in or Teddy in, that they would try to run the ball given the success in Week 5. However... It's not really in the Dolphins' DNA throughout the success of their 18-week or, I guess at this point, 17-week season. It's just something that worked well for them against the Jets in Week 5. So Jets want to win this one. To They've got to shut down the tight end. Jets, I mean, I know that sounds yeah. crazy because I'm not worried. It's that intermediate level that I'm a little bit more worried about, right? It's it's not the it's not the it's where the responsibilities come for Sauce or for DJ Reed. It's It's – the Mike Isicki outlet, oh my gosh, panic mode type of thing yep. because the pressure will come and that's been his outlet. So his meaning the whoever the quarterback is for the Dolphins. So that's where that's where I'm looking here. I'm like, what where somebody just stay on Gasicki. And the Seahawks had two touchdowns against the Jets. Both of them came to the tight end. One of them, Colby Parkinson, early in the game. The other one, Tyler Mabry, first Just like catch. we all drew it up. <laughs> just, yep, just just like every better out there expected, mm-hmm. Tyler Mabry catching a touchdown against the Jets. Mm-hmm. Gesicki had had been a what people refer to like as a Jets killer, like he had success against the Jets. He only had one catch. It did go for thirty yards, though. To your point, the intermediate stuff got to be wary of that, and also. The humidity is something that the Jets have not really had to deal with, especially recently when you're talking about Seattle, MetLife against the Jags, MetLife against the Lions, at Buffalo, at Minnesota. Like The Jets haven't had to deal with humidity since pretty much the beginning of the season, something that they're going to have to keep in mind for Week 18. But let's wrap up the fourth quarter of the final episode of this season kind of talking about the future of the New York Jets. And obviously, it's a little early to be talking about who the Jets should be looking at in free agency, who they should be looking at in the draft. But when you, if we were like concocting a drink or a recipe, and the recipe was the Jets' 2022 season, as a whole, to sit where they are now at 7-9, and nine, I think fans would probably think that there were signs of encouragement. There are, but also how impressive is being 7-9 and nine, going into Week 18, given the injury status of Brees Hall, Elijah Vera Tucker, Mekhi Becton, essentially everybody on the offensive lines going all the way back to training camp. It just feels like the Jets have had to do, deal with a lot. And I know they haven't been on a – in like I think they're 2-6 and six over the last eight. I know that's not a good number, but I think that the blueprint is there and the foundation is there for long-term success. 
Whereas when the Jets went 7-9 and nine in 2019, that outlook might not have been there. Also, put in context that the Dolphins are still playoff eligible. The Patriots are still playoff eligible. And the Bills have already secured a playoff spot. So let's be fair, this division is very difficult. So it's not like you're sitting here talking about your, I mean, look, we, ahead of the season would have been like, the AFC West is so hard. Nope, that's a lot easier this season than the AFC East. So, like, look, like, put it in context. There's so much to be excited about if you're a Jets fan. There's one thing, there's one big old, it's maybe the biggest thing that needs to be decided on. But other than that, you got a lot of the great foundational pieces, including getting a little healthier along the O-line will change everything for anyone. But that one piece, that one position that's that's got to be decided and i'm i'm glad that i it's not my pay grade to decide that position because it's the hardest thing to do in the entire sport but get get that one position that's it's clearly not me that's going to play that position but get that one (laughs) position if you missed it on if you're only listening it was perhaps the worst throw mechanic of the world but you get that one position right and things look a lot different because imagine like this team went from did something miraculous right you went from the last ranked total defense to and you finish right now it's number three if that holds that jump it's like the it's since 2000 it matches the 2002 carolina panthers as the biggest jump in nfl history in a single season so let's talk about how all these awesome pieces are setting the stage like you don't even need like a world beater you don't need patrick mahomes you need someone who's going to get you past that point. So, again, I, I'm glad it's not my pay. Like, I don't have to figure it out, but yep. it's going to be really interesting to see how that all shakes out. Yeah, and this is this is why the people who are put in charge get paid what they do because they have some difficult decisions to make, that being Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. And Robert Sala did say a couple hours ago before we started this podcast, as it relates to Zach Wilson, who obviously has been – having his fair share of sophomore slumps, to say the least, that that the Jets organizationally are prepared, the quote was, through hell or high water, to grind with Zach Wilson Great. to get him to the point where they want him to be, and they know where he can be because he was the number two overall pick in the draft. And Robert Sala made it very clear, like, it has nothing to do about the talent of Zach Wilson's arm, the talent, because everything's there. He said it's really, a, the way he said it was, it was a two-way street with confidence. And so for Zach Wilson to have the confidence in the Jets to get him where he can be and for the Jets to have the confidence in Zach Wilson. So it's going to be an interesting offseason, one filled with storylines because of the nature of the quarterback position. And I'm here for it because you know what? The Jets are a team to be reckoned with for, I'd say, the next handful of years, and we'll see what happens in the offseason. Let me be clear. I didn't say to get rid of – I didn't say to replace. I said they need to figure out that position. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know. I mean, that's why, like, look, if if you're looking on track records, just look at how good Joe Douglas did at drafting. Like, there's a lot of pieces here that are like A plus, A plus, A plus. So if he says we just need to work with him, then I'm going to believe him. But at the end of the day, I don't have to figure it out. I don't know. You know, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not at practice. Like, I'm I'm not the subject of catching a ball from anyone. So, at the end of the day, you know, like I don't, I'm glad I don't have to figure it out, but it is the, it is the biggest Rubik's cube in all of sports. So figuring out is 
that that makes a pretty big di- difference. You could probably ask Andy Reid or you know Zach Taylor or Sean McDermott or you know, yep. having the right quarterback matters. You know anyone who's coached Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Todd Bowles, you know <laughs> matters. Everybody. <laughs> and on that note, Cynthia, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure to do the game preview podcast with you and Gordy for the first episode of 2023. I hope you have a wonderful offseason and maybe maybe we'll get a, an in real life meeting again at some point throughout the offseason. Well, I will. I better see you at the combine. I mean, yep. my goodness. And if you come out to L.A., Gordy needs to meet his uncle, you know? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Thank you, Cynthia, as always. And happy new year. Happy New Year. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I always look forward to this every week. So much fun.